0: Thanks for watching today. I pray the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Once again, we are learning about our trials and deserts in the series, Valleys and Peaks. The temptations you face are the same as everyone else. The devil likes to try and tell you that you are alone. But when you are in Christ, you are never alone. In today's message, victory, we are learning to flee from those temptations and to stand in the victory we have in Christ.
1: Well, today I want to begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. And I want to talk about temptation. Now it says, There's no temptation that has overtaken you except that is common to man. When we're tempted, we think that we somehow are tempted in ways nobody else has been, that we have some VIP temptation. That that it's not some demon, that it's probably the devil himself that is after us. But the Bible says that every temptation that you or I have ever faced is common. In other words, the devil does not have a whole lot of tricks. He comes with the same stuff again and again, and again, and again. And what you're facing, everybody else faces in some form or another. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. So the fact that there is a temptation means that you can have victory. God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But I love this. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape. You say, what does that mean? That means you run. Uh uh years ago, um a guy said this to me. He said, uh, he said, well, he said, uh, I-, I can look at a pornographic magazine. He says, and it doesn't bother me. And I thought, you're nuts. <laughs> All right. He says, I, I can just do it, and-, and I'm so strong. And and no, the Bible says, run. The Bible says, run, flee, youthful lust, run. First John 5, verse 14, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. See, you were born into victory. When you become a Christian, you're born into victory. What Jesus did, he didn't do for himself. He did for you and for me. As the apostle Paul said, he said, my old man was crucified with Christ. The person that we were, God has taken to the cross with Christ and he died. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended. And the Bible says you are seated together with him in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Now you say, I may not, I don't feel that. That doesn't change the reality. The reality is that you have victory in Christ. Now I want to go back to the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter four. Adam and Eve have been taken out of the garden. Their two sons, Cain and Abel, are having some disagreement. And God is talking to Cain. And he said, sin lieth at the door. Another translation, I read the ESV for about 10 years, and it says, sin is crouching at the door. And I really like that. Because when the devil shows up, he doesn't show up with a pitchfork, a red suit, and a tail. That's the, he, He's crouching, he's hiding. He comes in a deceptive way. He's trying to not be noticed. So sin, it lieth, it crouches at the door and unto you shall be his desire. So he wants to take you out, but you shall rule over him, but you shall rule over him. Uh, realize that, that sin itself, if it was just like in, I'm uh, going to say it, something wrong, it would have said it. But, but the actual Hebrew says him because the enemy, the devil, the same one that showed up in Genesis chapter three to tempt Adam and Eve, Satan, that he is the one that introduces, tries to bring us into a place of sin and bondage. And it says you need to rule over him. Now, the great news is this, that in, the, in the, the dispensation, the new covenant that we're in, we have authority over the devil. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. So when we take that authority that we've been given, we have power. We, we have authority over all of his power. Now, notice it's authority and power. So the devil has power, but you have authority. Here's the picture that helps me. A police officer can stand at the corner and what he ha- and, and literally go out in the middle of the road, weighing 170 pounds, and he puts up his hand. And here comes an 18-wheeler that weighs 60,000 pounds, coming at him at 70 miles an hour, and it's got power. But when he puts up his hand, that 18-wheeler stops. Now, what the devil has may be power, but what you have is authority. You've got all of heaven, Jesus' name. You've got his authority standing with you. And when you take authority over the power of the devil, he has to obey you. He has to obey you. Now, I I really, this isn't going to be so much as a sermon as it's going to be a talk. But uh, the first point that I wrote down here is the thing that we need today that we do not have is the fear of the Lord. To overcome temptation, we need the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 16 and verse 6, it says, By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Now, it's not talking about a fear like you're you're cowering and hiding afraid, but it's talking about a reverence, a reverence of God. It says you depart from evil when you fear God. If, If you are living in a way that you know is not pleasing to God, it's because you do not have the fear of the Lord. Because when you have the fear of the Lord, you depart from evil. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You know, if you love God, you hate the things that God hates. God hates sin. I, I remember, I've shared this before, but years ago, I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I repent. And it was like he was quiet. And I'm like, Lord, I repent. And, and this was kind of what the Lord spoke to my heart. He says, you don't really repent. He says, you're just sorry that I don't like your sin because you like it. You see, if you like it, that's not repentance. When you say, God, I'm sorry, you don't like it because I wish you liked it because I like it. You see, what true repentance is, is seeing sin the way God sees it. In fact, the definition is a change of mind that results in an outward change of behavior. So if all we're doing is saying god I'm sorry you don't like it, which is what we really mean most of the time when we say I repent, we need the fear of the lord. Because when we fear god, the bible says you will hate evil. Not the evil, not the person, but the behavior. Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, we have a culture today, our world today thinks that they're wise. They're bringing in all sorts of destructive behavior into our culture. Right? And they think that it's wisdom. But the Bible says, no, it's foolishness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and that is to turn away from and to hate evil. I love this Proverbs ten twenty seven: The fear of the Lord prolongs days. Just recently, I had somebody ask me. They said, uh, does God have like a certain day you're going to die? You're going to die Uh, 2031, June the 14th at six in the afternoon. Does God like have it planned out? Absolutely not, right? Absolutely, positively not. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The years of the wicked will be shortened. The Bible says, don't be foolish. You're overly wicked. At least you die before your time. And it's not talking about a certain day. It's talking about God's given us years to live. And there's things that we can do that will cause those years to be expand. To expand. And there's things we can do that will cause them to contract. Uh, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. You know, when, when you fear God, listen, you have peace in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your body, in your spirit. It just brings peace. The Bible says the wicked flee. They're afraid, even when no one is pursuing. You know, when a person is involved in ungodly behavior, there is something on the inside, there is tension constantly on the inside. But you weren't made to live with that tension. But yet when we fear God and we have the the, the fear of the Lord, that reverence of God, it brings peace into our minds, our hearts, our souls in our bodies. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Now, we need the fear of God. Now, literally, the fear of God comes in several different ways. I'm just going to mention two things. First of all, the fear of the Lord comes when we obey the spirit of the Lord. And most of the time, I'm going to say this to you, God is speaking to you through your conscience. Uh, you, You look in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, I've lived in all good conscience before God. Your conscience, listen, is the voice of your spirit. And God is a spirit, and he speaks to your spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, when God speaks to you, God doesn't speak to your head your mind, he speaks to your spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Now, the voice of your spirit is your conscience. It's your conscience. So, one of the ways that we develop the fear of the Lord is by obeying the spirit of God or by obeying your conscience, As you obey the spirit of God, we, we tend to become more and more reverential towards God. Now, the, the, the other way that the fear of the Lord comes, I, I've written down 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and yet it has not been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now listen to the third verse. And everyone who has this hope in himself, everybody who's looking for the return of Jesus, Now, the return of Jesus means judgment day, right? We're going to give an account for the things that we've done before the Lord. Everyone that has this hope that Jesus is coming, that we're going to receive a reward from Jesus for all the things that we've done in the flesh, it says purifies himself. So when we're expecting Jesus to come back, what do we do? We purify ourselves. The Bible says, even as he is pure. When we realize we are going to give an account on judgment day for the things that we have done, the the, the Bible says to beware, all right, be careful that you do not lose your crown. You don't want to lose your crown. Paul said, you know, take heed that you receive a full reward. How many want a full reward for everything you're doing? How many want to be doing a lot of stupid stuff and lose half of your reward or 90% of your reward? So, So when we understand Jesus is coming back and there is a judgment day and it is possible to not receive a full reward, the Bible says we will purify ourselves even as he is pure. Now in Titus chapter two, verse 11 It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men and teaches us, and teaches us that to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously in this present age. Again, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Most people think that grace is this. I can sin and just say, I'm sorry, and it doesn't matter. That's not what grace is. The grace of God teaches us to say no. It's one, I love the translation, it puts it that way. Here it says, deny ungodliness, worldly lust. Another translation says, the grace of God teaches us to say no. In fact, I'd like everybody on three, shout no. One, two, three, no. Now, now, now with a little more fervor, okay? One, two, three, no. I, I, I'm reminded of Smith Wigglesworth, the evangelist from the early 20th century It went to a bus stop and was waiting for a bus in England. And a a, a lady came up who had lived right nearby and her little dog was following her. And she said to the little dog, she says, now, go home, go home. It just wagged its tail. You know, she said, now, you need to go. You need to go. You know, just rubbed up against her leg. And she saw the bus coming and she says, get back to the house. And that little dog took tail tucked and took off to the house. And Wegglesworth, without saying thinking, said, that's what you gotta do to the devil. That's what you've got to do to the devil. You gotta tell him no. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodly worldly lusts and to live a godly, sober, righteous life in this present age as we're looking for the appearing. We're waiting for Jesus because we know he's coming back. We know we're going to give an account for the things that we've done. The apostle Paul, as he's writing the church at Thessalonica says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we get grace? Pray for grace. Ask God to give you grace every single day. Then I remember, particularly as a young person, I was under the impression that when you're young, you sow your wild oats, and when you're old, you're tame. How many of you kind of thought that? You know, you're young, you do all that. You, you, you all are lying, because I know, all right. You think, you know, I'll just, I'll just do this when I'm young, and then I'm old, and you know, I could, I'll be old. I can't have any fun when I'm old. I want you to listen to this. this. This verse blew me away. It's Ephesians four twenty two, that you would put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which go, grow. Listen, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. Now, here's what you people think. I will be wild when I'm young, and then when I'm old, I'll just be good. But the truth is that the things that you give yourself to, to when you're young, those things do not grow away, go away. Those things grow on the inside of you and become more and more corrupt. Let me give you a verse for this. Ezekiel 23, verse 8. And she has never, never given up her harlotry brought from Egypt. For in her youth, they had lain with her, pressed her virgin bosom, and poured out their immorality upon her. What she did was she was young. The Bible says she never gave it up. We think it's just going to fall off. It never falls off. As a pastor, I have dealt with many young men who thought, you know, I'm single. I'm going to give myself to pornography, and I'll get married, and it'll take care of it didn't take care of anything. Hello. It didn't take care of anything because they had given themselves to it and it kept on growing on the inside of them. Ecclesiastes 8, 8. And wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it or who have given themselves to it. You see, once you give yourself to something that's ungodly, it will not release you. The Bible says it keeps on growing and it becomes more corrupt on the inside. Proverbs 5:22. His own iniquity entraps the man and he's caught in the cords of his sin. So picture it like this that sin has cords or chains and you give yourself to it and it wraps that thing around your leg. Right? And you think I'm going to walk away and you go about so far and it gives a yank and you fall right back into the same thing. And you think again, I'm going to go, I'm going to walk away. But the cord of sin has wrapped itself around you and you try to walk and it just pulls you right back. I remember listening to Norval Hayes, kind of an evangelist. Uh, I believe that Norval's now in heaven But I heard him say this, and it stuck with me. He says, don't ever try sin. He says, because you might like it. Don't look so holy. (laughs) Your flesh will like it. You realize when you come to Jesus, and I'm going to get into this, maybe not today, but Uh, When you come to Jesus, he saves you. But what he saves is your spirit, the part of you on the inside. But he does not save your mind. How many of you know after you're saved, you can still think stupid thoughts? Your thoughts don't automatically change. That's why the Bible says in in Romans 12 to be transformed by changing the way you So to to, to be transformed, you've got to change the way that you think, not just receive Jesus. Because when you receive Jesus, it happens in here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. See, in your spirit, the old is gone. In your spirit, you've become new. In your spirit, you're a child of God. In your spirit, you've got the life and the nature of God. But your mind is as big a mess as it was the day before you got saved, right? And then your body, oh, your body. (laughs) Oh my goodness, your body. Your body will not get saved until Jesus comes back. So the Bible says in Romans seven, I believe it is verse 23, that the law of sin abides in your members or your body. So your body is crazy. And your body will be crazy until Jesus comes back. So so Norville said, don't try sin. He says, you might like it because your body might like it. And here's the the, the deal. When we get saved, we're supposed to live out of our spirit. But most people don't. Most people live out of their body and out of their soul. And if you're living out of your body, the Bible calls you a carnal Christian. Okay. Uh, we get a, a carnal Christian, uh, in, in Spa- uh, how many like Spanish food? Um, I love Spanish food. You know, we, we live in Mexico, I love Spanish food. And uh, we'd have frijoles con carne, that, that's beans with meat. Frijoles, beans, con carne, with, with, with meat. So basically, what it's calling when it calls you a carnal Christian, it's calling you a meathead. <laughs> that that carnage, he's just saying, look, you're, you're living out of your head, you're living out of your body, right? But you're supposed to be living out of your spirit because that's where the life of God is. That's where your victory is, okay? Uh, point number five, at least in my point soon. I'm on page four, and my secretary said i got 80 pages in this thing, so we probably won't get done today. We'll probably never get done. <laughs> we'll just quit. All right. 1 i worry about pastors that don't have anything to say (laughs) i really do (laughs) if i don't have anything to say all i've got to do is watch television on the afternoon watch oprah for i've got it i got 16 (laughs) sermons right there (laughs) all right psalms 101 verse 2 I will behave myself wisely and give heed to the blameless way. And when will you come to me? I will walk within my house in integrity with a blameless heart. Now, The Living Bible says it this way. I will try to walk a blameless path, but how I need your help, especially in my own house where I long to act as I should. How many of you say we need God's help? We need God's help every single day. And I love what it says here. He says, especially in my own home. Uh, You you might be able to fake it someplace, but you can't fake it at home. At home, everybody knows who the real you is. And it's at home more than any other place that, that what's on the inside of us needs to be lived out. The Bible says to work out your salvation. And literally what it's saying is this, that what's on the inside of you, you need to get working on the outside of you. Work out your salvation. What's on the inside, you need to get working on the outside. We all know the story, or I hope, I better tell the story because not everybody does know the story. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt, and they're crying out to God. And God goes to Moses, appears to him, he's out on the backside of the desert, watching his father-in-law's sheep. And God appears to him in a burning bush and says, I'm sending you to Egypt to deliver my people. And Moses puts up all kinds of excuses. And finally, he agrees to go. And he's on his way to Egypt. He's got his wife, he's got his two children. He's on his way to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. It's real easy to read past this, right, as you're just reading through your Bible. But he's on his way. They camped for the night, and God sought to kill him. Now, God had just appeared to him in the burning bush. God had sent him to Egypt. He's, he's going to be the deliverer. He's going to be the one that goes up on the mountain and spends 40 days in God's presence, and God sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskins of her son and cast him at Moses' feet and said, Surely you're a husband of blood to me, so God let him go. Now here's what happened. The sign of the covenant that God had given to the Israelites was circumcision. And Moses is on his way to deliver the covenant people without having the sign of the covenant in his own family. You say, what does that say? To me, that tells me this. Get it working at home first before you export. That's where it's got to work, first of all, is at home more than any other place. Right? Uh, he goes on in, in Psalms 101. He says, help me to refuse the low and the vulgar things. Help me to abhor the crooked deals of every kind, to have no part in them, to reject all selfishness, and to stay away from every evil. Really, he's praying for grace, for God's ability to teach him uh, how to say no to the ungodliness of the world that you and I live in. You see, grace, it's an enabling force. Grace is a teaching entity, and it's an empowering reality. When we have the grace of God in our lives, we're able to stand against things that we could not stand against any other way. In Psalms 119, in uh, verse 25, I'm, I'm going to close with this, this verse. Um, last summer, yeah, last summer, uh, I was with a couple pastors. In fact, it was James Sunick and uh, Steve H. And we had our wives together. We were up in Harbor Springs, just a little north of Petoskey. And, and, w- and we were talking about some things. And, and I brought up this verse, Psalms 119, verse 25. It says, my soul... Clings to the dust. My soul clings to the dust. In other words, your soul well, we got a couple, we got online and we got a couple of Hebrew lexicons out and things. And literally, it means to the garbage heap. And we talked about, we thought, you know what, we ought to preach, all preach the same sermon the same day and get a big garbage can and stand in the garbage can and preach the sermon and all stuff out. Because your soul, unrenewed mind, goes after the garbage. It goes after the garbage. Right? That's why we need to use the Bible to change the way that we think. We pray for grace. God's ability God's, uh, literally, grace will teach you. Grace will enable you. Grace is an empowering reality. And we pray for grace, but we also need to change the way that we think. If we don't change the way we think, we won't change the way we live. The Bible says, be transformed by changing the way that you think, that you may be able to prove what is that good that perfect and acceptable will of God. We, we'll, we'll know the will of God. We'll be able to walk in the will of God when we begin to change the way we think. And the way that we do it is with the word of God. See, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You know, culture today tells us that good people go to heaven. But the Bible tells us something different. It's not good people who go to heaven. It's forgiven people who go to heaven. And that's forgiveness we need to receive. The Bible says, to as many as receive him, Jesus, he gives the right to become the children of God. What Jesus said was this. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, all of my good things, good works could not make me right with God, and all of your good works could not make you right with God. There's just one way to be right with God, and that is through Jesus. and We need to receive that forgiveness. So Jesus said you must be born again. You need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. He's not a thief to steal your heart, a manipulator to trick you. If you have not given him all of your heart and all your life, you still have it. And I want to pray with you today. If you're away from God, not right with God, you're that person who says, I want to be right with God. I want to be forgiven. I want to be a child of God. I want to go to heaven. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Would you make these words your own? Say this out loud. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. My past is gone. I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer. You're right with God. You're forgiven. And I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually. I want to give it to you free of charge. Now, there's information on your screen. This book is going to help you keep growing, keep moving ahead in your walk with God. You can download the book. The information is on your screen. Or if you need a hard copy, contact us. We will get you a hard copy. Thank you for being with us. God bless you.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change lives all around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can now text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon in our app. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. In 2 Timothy 4.7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Keep standing on your victory and have a great week.